Annabelle, great. I'm glad you're still here. I did it. I did it. You did what? I bet on the ball game. I got the money, and I got a Sony. The whole thing's going to work. My life's going to change. I'm going to be a billionaire. <laughs> I can't believe it. My life's finally gonna change. Yeah, but Boris, betting on ball games when you already know the winner is not only unfair, well, I don't think it's ethical. You like it, the juice? You like it? Was that a can opener? It's not like you just slapped somebody in the face. <laughs> I don't have any cans, so I'm drinking out of a two liter bottle of Cherry 7 Up. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, no, I, I didn't like this juice. We're done. <laughs> Next episode. This is. Apologies up front for the dog jingling you're going to hear. Um, I, I, this is all your fucking fault. Uh, I'm sorry, wait. Welcome to the, the episode 301 Spectacular. <laughs> where we're uh, back to regular fucking scheduled programming. This is not my fault. This is both of our faults, I feel like. Well, was I, mean, I, was okay. I heavy on this? Yes. I did not want to watch this movie. First off, welcome to Saturday Yeah, but what did, what did you want to watch? It was something shitty, too. I was really going hard for The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. So yeah, don't fucking act like the the parallel reality where we fucking watched that movie was so much better than fucking Billions for Boris. I think it would have been better. Okay, so it's my fault for putting a billion for Boris on the wheel of available options. Let's, let's talk about that. I didn't even know this fucking movie existed before you fucking put it up on the wheel. So nobody fuck you. Knew this, nobody knew this movie existed. Still nobody knows this movie existed. I just watched this fucking movie, but I'm pretty sure it was a fever dream or a Mandela effect. This thing is not real. Is it my fault that you have such a fucking boner for Tim Kazarinski that you're like, every fucking Tim Kazarinski movie has to be on the wheel. Fuck hey, you. Man. If Tim Kazarinski, it's it's Tim Kazarinski's fault. I guess we could just say that right out. Tim Kazarinski appears in A Billion for Boris, which is why we watched it on Saturday Night Jive, where we talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live-related movies. Uh, yeah, it's not all Police Academy movies in Tim Kazarinski's filmography. He also did this weird... Could you find any information on this? Was this straight to TV? What is this, Canadian television or some shit? What is well, this? Well, um, apparently, it's a, the book it's based on is the sequel to Freaky Friday. Oh, is it? The, I thought it was the same author. I didn't know it was the C. Or, C. or it's in the same, I think it's in the same universe, maybe. Oh, but um, also, in the Freaky I, Friday extended universe. I found out that apparently British Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, um, uh, left his uh, uh, position. He retired. Uh, which I didn't know until I looked up Billions for Boris and nothing else came up except that. <laughs> yeah, no, this is the most obscure movie we could watch. Uh, so yeah, it's Tim Kazarinski's fault for being in it. It's my fault for putting it on the wheel. But I remember, I haven't edited uh, our last podcast yet, but I remember we went back and forth and debated over like four or five movies. We had many different options that we spun and you were like, Billion for Boris, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I, okay, I think relative to our other options at the time, I feel like this on paper seemed like the best. I will stand by that. Yes, now that we've watched it, it's a huge piece of shit, and we should have anticipated that. You probably wouldn't even want to rewrite history and say that you did anticipate that. But, I don't know, fucking kids have a time traveling TV or some shit? Like, that's what it sounded like when you pitched it? And I'm like, oh, that sounds like it'd be an interesting podcast. It won't be. <laughs> 
No, I, I will. I will give it this. The concept is intriguing. Um, I only put it on the wheel because I thought it was a monkey movie. Like just billions for Boris sounds like bedtime for Bonzo. So yeah, I was you're like, oh, mistaking it for the regular yeah, movie. This is a fucking Tim Kazarinsky monkey movie. Of course, it's going on the wheel. It's not. It's about some kids. They get a TV that tells them the future, and then they do nothing fucking with that concept. That's the thing. I was waiting for this to be like blank check where they're like making all the money and doing all and like, like playing pranks on their friends and shit like, like fun shit that you would do if you had a TV uh, that fucking told the future, but they do nothing. They, they fucking make some off track bets. That, Not it. even enough of those. Like it's there's like an artificial thing where like we can only make six hundred dollars a day. Okay, what about the lottery, which the guy does at the end of the movie? Like why not just do that? Oh yeah. <laughs> They could do so many things with a fucking future TV, but instead they just go to the fucking horse track like it's a fine goddamn mess. Or and wise guys, why is this the third? Is horse track betting the new skunk spray in the spate in the face for our podcast? Oh, can I say? Okay, well, first off, let me ask that question. Does this even count as a mafia subplot? Because I feel like it's barely. I think they make a vague reference to somebody who might be a mobster. I, I wrote down that note. I was like, are we an hour into this fucking shitty movie and I'm just now getting a mafia subplot? I almost think it doesn't even count. Oh, I'm sorry. I gotta fucking postpone a goddamn update to Windows 11. Fuck you. Oh, I didn't hear that. I, I do hear the birds chirping, though. <laughs> uh, but no, I yeah, I, I got to that point and, like, I, I don't even know if it really counts as a mafia subplot because it's like... I, I guess maybe they work for the mob, or they're concerned that he works for the mob. I think but you never really yeah. get any backstory on them. No, they're they're like, where are you getting all these uh, hot horse tips and making all this money? You working for Vinny Two Snakes or something? And yeah, I think they're they're worried that another mafia boss is like horning in on their racket or something. But they got to be like mob toughs of some kind. Yeah. Now, and I I I think we should. We should maybe be more cognizant than we normally are about getting ahead of ourselves, because we can't talk about billions for Boris <laughs> as true. if there is any expectation that anyone has ever or will ever fucking see this movie. Like, you know, we're talking about wise guys. It's Brian De Palma. You might might have seen it. This, uh, fuck it, unless you went to Internet Archive where we fucking found it. Yeah, uh, well, and I guess we have another person to blame, whoever fucking uploaded this to Internet Archive and made it so easily findable, because that was the other reason why we picked it. We're like... Oh, shit, it's free on Internet Archive. Billions for Boris, 1984. Let's fucking watch that shit. Can I, I ask that question? Because you use Internet Archive for our podcast. What is that? Because what's the legality of that? Because I assume this is still copywritten in some level. I would they imagine. just fucking put a whole goddamn movie on Internet Archive? Does it just nobody noticed and nobody <clears throat> gives a shit because it's billions for Boris? Probably. I mean, that's where I get all my SNL episodes, too, is Internet Archive. I'm surprised that NBC doesn't go after them for that. I don't know. Don't know Cause why. Because isn't there... I, Peacock is NBC's thing, right? So I'm, aren't they all on Peacock? Yeah. Yeah, I would I would assume they'd be, you know, hard about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't post them on YouTube and shit, but for some reason, Internet Archive is the best kept secret in the fucking interwebs. Because, yeah, I found a, there was a show I was looking for that I couldn't find anywhere, and the DVD was like $100 or something. It was called The Middleman, and I found all the episodes in an archive. It's like, fuck, I, I guess I don't have to spend 100 bucks on this fucking shit. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think of the last shot of Billions for Boris before we describe the plot? Okay, yeah, we should describe the plot of... 
it's on Internet Archive. It's billions for Boris. It's either a billion for Boris or billions for Boris. I've seen it both ways online. Um, so when you invariably search for it because you're going to be so desperate to watch it after we talk about it, you might have some trouble. No, fuck it. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I know. But if you're if you're unfamiliar with billions for Boris, you know maybe you're familiar with. A billion for Boris, which is the line in the movie where the title is taken from. He says, we're going to make a billion for Boris. Boris being the main character. Uh, the plot which, of this film... Oh, go ahead. Well, that's the question. Why the fuck is Boris the main character? He's just some guy who hears about the thing. Why isn't it Seth Green, fucking ape face, who made the, the, the time travel TV? Why yes. doesn't he benefit from it? That Why is one very shitty part of this movie. He's super intelligent. He can make a TV that can see the future, but he's like, I don't want it. Can you buy me a portable TV? Because I want that more than this TV that tells the future. Yes. Uh, the only piece of IMDb trivia I found was this was Seth Green's film debut, which... No, yeah, because I guess Radio, Day, Radio Days was 87. Okay, so that makes sense. So this was his film debut. Uh, he's a young little boy. He is just uh, a whiz with gadgets. He he tells his uh, sister, he's like, can I uh, borrow your radio so I can take it apart? And he's like, I've already done everything I can in my room. So he just takes apart shit. He finds this broken-ass TV. And through what magic? I don't know. Or is it just Seth Green's a genius? But he just fixes the TV, and it gives the future news. Well, I don't... I think the implication of the movie is that he didn't do it on purpose. It's not like he set out to make a... TV that tells the future. No, he's surprised by it. He just rebuilt the TV, but in some such a way that it now tells the future. They never explain it, and I mean, I don't need an explanation. It's magical realism, whatever. But the, just the idea that, like, because he's a smart enough and precocious enough kid that I, what I was waiting for, and I, I didn't catch his name. They call him Ape Face, and I, I was like, wait, is he Boris? Is he going to be the kid that fucking uses this TV for wacky hijinks? No, it's just some other fucking kid that they hang out with. Boris is the psychopath who's trying to fuck Seth Green's older sister. This kid fucked Boris. I hated him so much. Well, because part of it is, like, so much of the movie, because for whatever reason, they had this premise and they couldn't think of anything to do with it, so they're like, well, what are we going to do? Well, I don't know. What if he has awkward relationship with his mom? And that's most of the movie, and it's like, you're just a shit kid who, like, treats your mom like shit. I know, he's a fucking asshole. And you treat your, and I guess, I was going to say treat your girlfriend like shit, but I don't even know if they're boyfriend or girlfriend, mostly because he's such a piece of shit that I can't conceive of them as being in a romantic relationship until the point where they're like, I guess we're kissing now. It's it's a weird relationship, the love interest in this movie, because he, um, it starts with them, they're talking on walkie-talkies late at night. We later find out that's because his mom hasn't paid the, uh, the phone bill and it's disconnected. But they're up late at night talking on walkie-talkies. She at one point says, like, oh, I think I'm in love with him or something. But they act like boyfriend and girlfriend. But then in the middle of the movie, they kiss for the first time. And before that, they, like, hug awkwardly, which, it, like, it seems like it's the first time either of them has hugged a person of the opposite gender. Like, it almost looks like both of them just fucking, like, just <laughs> ejaculate in all their pants. Well, but there's also the part where, like, her her friend goes on a date with him, and then she's, like, jealous, but, like, that goes nowhere. Oh, I don't even remember that. 
I may have been looking away during that scene. Well, that's when she goes off because she implies that she's going on a date when what she's really doing is going off with Tim Kazarinsky, who's a reporter, right, right. to prove the time tra- or the the vision of the future, or whatever the fuck. Uh, and she's like, "Oh, I'm going on a date with another man." And then she's like, "Well, I guess I'll go to the movies with Boris." And like, you never see it; it's just off screen. But then it's oh, like okay. a thing where, but like, it's, it, again, it comes to nothing. It's like, why did you put that in the movie? Yeah, I don't know. They, uh, this is reminded me of uh, like Mike. Where little Bow Wow finds magical basketball shoes, but the whole movie isn't about magical basketball shoes. This is a movie about a TV that tells the future, and the whole movie isn't about a TV that tells the future. The movie is about these two horned-up teenagers trying to fuck, and Tim Kazarinsky. <laughs> Can I just say how boring and fucking unforg- how unmemorable this movie is? That it managed to remind you of one of the most boring and unforgettable movies we've watched in this podcast, I fucking forgot we watched Like Mike. (laughs) That is one of them movies where it's like, why did we even fucking watch this? Like, what were we thinking when we Jesus, I'm remembering it now. Like, Crispin Glover was the bad guy. It's like the last episode of Lost where they're, like, fucking seeing each other and remembering their past lives. Oh, that's right. Fucking Like Mike was a thing that happened to me. That that is going to be what happens when both of us die. We will just go into a church... And there will be a TV. There will be 301 TVs playing 301 shitty movies that we've watched. Because that's because in the end episode at the end of Lost, they're implied that they're going into heaven, but of course we're going to hell, where right. we have to fucking relive all these fucking shitty movies. And they'll be like, "Oh, hey, you remember Doctor Detroit? Kinda. I remember not liking it. Well, you're gonna watch it 30 million times in a row. No. Oh man. You know what? I mean, I'm okay. I'm not going to go into my diatribe about how Lost is still an underrated gem and people who hate the finale can suck my dick. <laughs> but they can. Uh, I liked the finale. I didn't like the last season, though. I thought the last season was really spinning its wheels. I would agree, but, well, again, this isn't a Lost podcast. Right? That's why I didn't want to go into it. But if you want to, I just. I, I the, the last season gets better and better every time I rewatch the series. I don't think it's nearly as bad as I thought it was at first or as a lot of people say it is. Yeah, Lost is one of those shows where like up and right right when it ended, I just I stopped caring about all of it. Like I never went back and revisited it. I never thought about it again. But as You've I was never watching it, man, it? I was hooked. No, I've never rewatched it. I would recommend rewatching. I've I've done about like three total watch counting my original watch. I've I've rewatched it like twice and it gets better and better every time. Yeah, that was one of like that's one of the only shows where I was like in on it while it was happening because most shows I I don't watch fucking TV, but that one I was like, oh, I gotta watch every Wednesday night at eight or whenever the fuck it was on, and then afterwards I'm going on the internet and looking for clues and fucking chat rooms and shit. I think that that's really like the only show other than Saturday Night Live where <laughs> I engage in internet culture. And and just I I just want to say. If we want to keep talking about Lost and everything we like about it and don't like about it for the next hour or so, feel free because I don't have to talk about anything about Billion for Billions for Boris ever again. I'm I'm already fine. There had to have been an SNL cast member in Lost at some point. Why do you think uh, you know John Locke saw a bright light when he first saw the monster? When later we learn that it's a smoke monster, I don't know. Is that it? Was it shape changing in the moment? What happened? I don't know. What was with that? Yeah, what about yeah. Walt? Why was he so special? I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that another unanswered question in Lost that they could have done something within the final season, which they didn't do, and then they just ended it, and I'm like, oh, that's a good ending, but... I don't God, think that was a season. problem. Walt was fine. I was fine with what they gave us with Walt. 
they either give us more or nothing. It was my problem with Lost. It's like they I would mean, give us give you little pieces of things, and you're like, oh, okay, they're bringing that back, and then they're just forgetting about it. What the fuck? Well, did you see the? They did a thing. They released like. It was like after the fact. It was on the DVD, I think. They probably released it online, where it was like a short film. Uh, it was all about Hurley and and Ben as yeah. now. Yeah, and then they meet up with Walt at one point, so it kind of wraps that up. It's implied that he's going to be the the next leader of the island. Uh, and when they find him, he's watching a TV that can tell the future, <laughs> and he's doing literally nothing with it. <laughs> Yeah, so Seth Green, he builds this magic future TV. He's watching it in his room, and he's like, oh, hey, there's going to be a big rainstorm tonight. And she's like, yeah, because his sister's like, why are you wearing that poncho? He's like, oh, a big rainstorm tonight. And she's like, no, there's not. And then they go out, there's a big rainstorm. She's like, oh, that's weird. And then she gets sick, and he's like, uh, oh, I threw away all the soup cans because of botulism. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then the next day, she's watching the news, and it's like, uh, botulism and all these soup cans. Get rid of them. He was watching the news broadcast yesterday from the day after. So he's got a magic future telling TV. So he's like, hey, I'll give it to this fucking psychopath who lives upstairs and he'll be the main character instead of me, the kid who fucking built the magic TV. I fucking hated that. Yeah, and it's like, and because I, I mentioned at the first, like, oh, what if it's blank check and they're, you know, getting the lottery numbers or whatever. But that, that, that trajectory for the story only makes sense if you give it, give the TV to a piece of shit like Boris, I think if you if Seth Green kept the TV and he was like a precocious little kid, but he's like got a moral center, I think, yeah. more so than Boris, that would have been more like because like the girl wants to like avert like there's they they report like a fire and she goes to the place that's gonna be gone fire and like so tries to stop it and uh, tries to stop a bank uh, liquor store robbery or whatever. I, I think that would have been a more interesting movie to me where it's like a, like little kids make them you know, age them down. So I think they're all Seth Green's age and they're like, we're a bunch of fucking cute, precocious kids. And we got this thing that's telling the future and we can save people because we're naturally innocent and good. And our first thought isn't making money like this fucking asshole Boris. That would have been a better movie, I think. Yeah. And then you make like Boris, the older brother who's kind of like a semi-antagonist. You know, he only wants to use the future TV to pick up chicks and make money and, you know, for personal gain. But you that's a bad thing. It's never a bad thing in this movie. At one point, the girl's like, wow, future TV, so we can use this to, like, stop fires. And Boris is immediately like, no, you can't change fate. Like, this is what's going to happen, not what might happen. The only thing we can use this for is to bet on ponies. 747 Japan airliner was hijacked over Tibet and forced to land. We'll update that story just a little bit later in this newscast. Hijacking? Shouldn't we warn them? How? I don't know. Call them up and warn them. And say what? They'd never believe us. Besides, if we're seeing the future, then what we see is definitely going to take place. This box isn't predicting what might happen. It's showing you it already happened. Do you follow me? Yeah, but all those people. Can we change it? I don't think so, Annabelle. We're dealing with fate here. We can't change that. Now, we're not going to tell anybody about this. Okay? Okay. And the thing is, in retrospect, that scene makes him to be even worse. He is the villain, but the movie doesn't understand he's the villain because he clearly has that plan because he wants the TV desperately even then. But he's like, we can't change the future in good ways. Don't even think about that. But 
betting is changing the future. He wouldn't have won that bet had right. he not seen it. On th- so he knows that he's full of shit when he's like, we can't change the future, we can't do anything with this anyway. He's just trying to keep them from wanting to use it for good because he wants to monopolize it for evil. Right, obviously you can. If it was like, oh, a, a dog started a fire on 123 Elm Street at 2 o'clock, well then you go to... 123 Elm Street at 12 o'clock and you take the fucking flamethrower away from that dog. I don't know why he got that flamethrower with him. Well, but like that's, you know, there could you could say like there are rules about it like, well, in Lost, that's a thing. You can't change fate. That's why, you know, when Michael comes back, he's trying to kill himself and the, the gun doesn't work because he's not supposed to die then because the island doesn't want him to. You could do something like that where like shit gets in their way every time they try to change the future because you can't change it. That's a different movie, but you just established that. And I kind of thought they were doing that at one point. There was, like, a car chase, and there was, like, some, like... I think she was supposed to be, like, mentally challenged girl eating ice cream. <laughs> that was my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> in the road. I thought that was, like, this is fate getting in their way so that it happens the norm. But it wasn't. But that's what no. I thought of the, in the moment. But, like, he doesn't know one way or the other whether fate's gonna conspire to stop them from changing the future or not he's just saying that it will to fucking fool and like she could call him out on that that could be a thing where like in the next scene she's like you were talking about fate bullshit you know but she never nobody ever calls him out on it because he's not the villain in the movie right well and then she eventually realizes he's full of shit because she partners with tim kazarinski who's a newspaper uh writer looking for a scoop and she's like, oh, well, I, I know the future, so I'll help you with your stories. We'll be here, and then, you know, the fire will happen, and you'll be here to report on it. So she knows she can change the fucking future. But, yeah, they, they don't they don't really use it for that at all. It's just, they fucking go to the horse track. And then even, and then I actually thought that was an interesting twist, or again, potentially interesting twist, when he's, he's been betting all this time, and then he sees... Uh, oh, young kid has been kidnapped by mobsters <laughs> as the as the leading news story apparently. <laughs> Just happens to involve him, but he has a day's notice, so he's like, "Oh, can I fucking leave the country? What do I do?" But they're like. But th- at that point, they're like, oh, no, you can't change it. You just have to do what you're going to do anyway, and they'll kidnap you. But I guess Tim Kazarinski will be there to follow them because yeah, we didn't was... get we didn't <clears throat> get enough from the news story that maybe that happened anyway. That was so stupid. He sees a news report. He's been betting money on the track. He's been wearing a big fake beard because he's like a 14-year-old kid. And, and uh, he sees a news report that says, Ah, Boris has been kidnapped. This young kid, no one knows his whereabouts. He's like, Oh, no! And then what does he do the next day? He goes to the fucking track where he's already met the mob goons who were like trying to rough him up the night before. I mean, there's Don't so many Don't go to the different... fucking track! You make it like they're trying to stop... Maybe there's a serial arsonist, you know? It's not just one fire, it's a bunch of fires. And they're trying to thwart them, but they can't. And then they become suspects. People are like, oh, you clearly, you're at every fucking scene. And I don't believe this bullshit about a future TV, so you must be starting the fires. Organic complication to the plot. You don't have to add mafia subplot just because you have nothing else. Yeah, no, this this is a, a huge waste of any kind of concept. Again, the concept works. I could see a good movie being made out of this. I could see a good kids movie being made out of this. You referenced Blank Check. That's exactly the kind of movie I was expecting. Kids see the future. They play the lottery. They buy a fucking bounce house, you know, and then the complications arise from that. Maybe a mafia subplot? Sure. There was one in Blank Check. We can throw one in. But it can't just be... Oh, we're going to go bet uh, $600 at the track. What are we going to do tomorrow? I'm going to bet $600 on the track. 
And then the next day, you know, get a bit $600 on the track. And it's all to get money for my mother, who is like a offbeat poet, who I I could not get a grasp on Boris's relationship with his mother. What was what going I... on there? Sorry, the dog, a dog is barking outside. Uh, no, she's not a poet. I think she's a screenwriter, because at the end, doesn't she sell a screenplay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She get, they, the final resolution is they didn't need the money anyway because she sold a screenplay for $80,000 or something. And they tell her, like, yeah, I was betting at the track. They don't tell her about the fucking magic TV, though, right? Because she's, like, weirdly understanding, like, you were betting illegally for like weeks with all the only money we had yeah <laughs> don't, no, don't, don't think, do that again <laughs> i don't think they tell her about the magic tv well it's it's just a weird relationship because he said he keeps saying um like yeah when you come up to my house the maid will make us dinner you know the maid will make us lunch um but the maid is he he's embarrassed about his mother so he pretends that his mother is the maid to the point where his mom's just cleaning up the house his little girlfriend comes in and she thinks she's the maid and then she finds out that she's the mom. But I could never tell why he was so embarrassed by her. I guess, I mean, I guess she, they kind of established that she hasn't been paying the bills. I think she's, yeah, I think she's supposed to be flighty. I don't, because I, I got the sense that it wasn't even like they didn't have the money. She just forgets to pay bills. So like shit gets shut off. Yeah. So like well, she's okay. kind of, you know. And, and like his first line is like, mom, my tuition's due on Wednesday, don't forget. But he says it like in a bitch way to his mom that I was like, oh, instantly I hate this fucking kid. And then Which, they never what gave tuition? Me a Aren't they in high school? I, maybe it's a private school. Because I, oh, I could, that was another thing about this movie. I could not tell how old they were supposed to be. Because when Boris, they're acting older than they are. Uh, and it's, you know, when she introduces herself to Tim Kazarinsky, she's like, I'm 18. So they're like 14 year olds. But for the first like 30 minutes of the movie, I was like, are they 20 and they just look young? Are they supposed to be eight and they look old? I no fucking idea. So yeah, when he said tuition, I, I assumed college. But yeah, no, they look like they're in a public high school, so I don't know. Well, that, and that's right. They established that they're 14, so obviously they're not in college yet because these aren't fucking geniuses. They're stupid fucking kids. And their high, their school looks like a high school. It doesn't look like college. Yeah, so, so I'm guessing maybe it's a private school or something. But it doesn't look like a private school either. It just looks like fucking public high school. Well, she talks about, the girl talks about having a housekeeper too. And they live in like a nice apartment in New York. So I guess maybe they're just, they're, they're, they're kind of rich. I don't know, but that never comes... Because, again, like, the whole point is that they're hard up for money. Or at least the one character is, and that's why he needs all the money. So why establish that? Because that doesn't go anywhere, the fact that they're you know, wealthy or well-to-do or anything. Yeah, no, I got, I got no fucking idea. Um, uh, and I... Have, have we talked... Is there anything else to talk about? I'm looking at my notes, and I'm like, oh, we talked about that. We talked about uh, that. Tim Kazarinsky's in it, and he's a reporter who... This is another thing. He's a reporter, and he's like, oh, I'm reporting on this potential fire or whatever. At first, they do think she might have thrown a Molotov cocktail in, and they, they eventually get figure out she didn't. Uh, and then she, he's like, okay, I want to... This, this girl knows something. Like, he just has an instinct, I guess. And then she's like... She tells him that she's clairvoyant or whatever, or can see the future. And, oh, you got to be here at this time because they're going to rob a liquor store. What's he going to report on? Like, it's like, the report would be the same whether he got there as it was happening or 20 minutes later. 
he doesn't benefit from her having foreseen it. Like, what is he getting out of that as far as the story goes? He just needs a scoop. Why is he taking pictures of a burnt-out building? Like, who gives a shit about that? At one point, he says, if I don't get a good story, I'm fired. And we are introduced to Tim Kasarinsky taking pictures of hobos and following young girls home. But that's the thing. The the nature of this plot precludes that as a, an element because if she does her job right, there is no scoop because there is no story because she stops the liquor store robbers or whatever. There's only a story if the bad thing happens and then he reports on it. Yeah, and, so I, don't, and I don't know what she's getting from him other than he saves the day at the end, kind of. And and like and what? How does that work with like the grandfather paradox? Because if they change the story, nature of the story that was reported on, then it wouldn't have been reported on in the first place, and then they would never have gotten it in order to change it to change the reporting. That's true. Well, do they change anything? I guess they don't change anything now that I think about it, except that they they bet on the, they just profit from it. So that's changing the future, but it's not changing the present. So I guess that's. Fine. I guess profiting from the future doesn't change. It just changes your future, right? Well, I guess, and then the butterfly effect, you, your future will change other people's futures. I'm curious, because this is basically the plot of that show I never watched called Early Edition, where, like, the guy gets the, yeah. the newspaper from the day before or whatever, or the day after, I guess. Uh, but, like, I, they must have been a rule where it's like he can't just take the lottery numbers every fucking day, right? I don't know. I never watched that show either. Oh, I assumed it was your favorite show. Sorry. Why isn't Why isn't the pilot also the series finale of that show? He just plays the lottery five weeks in a row. Uh, and he's like, Retiring to Belize. Somebody, I, somebody's getting murdered. Uh, let's just flip that page. I can't change fate. What's the pick five today, boys? I think what this needed was like because the, the, there's the whole complication of like we're kids, so I can't go to the off-track betting. And that was a weird montage because like it started out as a montage of my initial plan has failed. They they know I'm a kid, but then he just finds a fake beard in the garbage and, and then goes back in. And they're like, "Oh, I guess you're an adult now. Here's your bedding." I did like how stupid that was because at first he's going in and yeah, he knows he's a kid, so they're not going to take his bet. So he like follows an old man and like copies his movements and like tries to get in character as an old man. And so he goes up to the thing and he's like, I want to put $600 on the thing. And they're like, you're a 14 year old kid. Get the fuck out of here. He's like, oh shit. But yeah, then he's just like fake beard. (laughs) That always tricks him. But that's the thing is like the point of a montage in a movie like this, if you at least start it that way, you establish like the, here's the plan. We're going to do it. Oh, wait, here's a wacky series of examples of it not working. Then you have to get out of the montage and do something else where like he has to like figure something. But that is I found a beard in the garbage. (laughs) Like that's the shittiest version of this. The old beard in the garbage. Uh, speaking of pointless montages, remember the dress-up montage with just one dress? No, did I fucking zone out? I it's don't very this. quick. It's like near the beginning of the movie. It's when the older sister and her friend are like, I think they're walking towards the building that's going to explode. And the friend is like, oh, one day I'm going to get married when I grow up. And I'm going to get married in that dress. And she looks at a dress in the window. And so they go into the shop. She tries on the dress. There's like a little bit of music and she's like, ta And then that's the end of the scene. They walk out and they're like, hmm, yeah, no, that dress fit pretty nice. So it was like a dress up montage, but they didn't, they cut out the montage part. 
So it's weird. I thought that, that there was gonna be that was gonna be like a Chekhov's gun. I'm always looking for fucking Chekhov's guns. I thought at one point they were gonna get enough money to buy that girl to dress or something, and that was gonna be something. But no, it's just they, they were like, oh, we got five minutes to kill in the movie. Let's do a dress up montage. We only got one dress. Yeah, fuck it. Was there a moment in this movie where a skunk, like, failed to spray somebody with their ass juice? Because I feel like there's so much of this movie is, like, stuff that we complain about in other movies, but, like, just the lamest, shittiest version of it. Yeah, no, it's like everything we complain about lumped into one piece of shit movie that no one has heard of or will ever see. But, like, not even in a way that is interesting to us. Like, oh, we got another mafia subplot. Oh, we got another fucking dress-up montage. It's like, oh, but they did it just shittily, so I don't care. (laughs) I will be the first one to admit, I love me a fucking dress-up montage. When someone goes into a store and tries on a bunch of outfits, I'm like... Strap in, baby. I'm ready for a fucking dress-up montage. When I see a little girl dry on one dress and then leave the store, I'm like, what the fuck? I got cheated on what's usually the worst part of any movie. I mean, this is like if a fucking computer algorithm took all of our podcasts and put them in a machine and said, write a fucking movie, and they did, and it's this fucking movie. Yeah, I make sure it has preteen smooching, because everybody loves fucking that yeah it has the fucking oh will they or won't they i don't care they're children why do i want to know if they fuck these kids ain't fucking and if they do i don't want to see it because i can't show that on in a fucking movie 14 year olds fucking but they, they're never gonna get that far well wait we should talk about the opening because you texted me and you were like i'm watching it and the opening is pretty rad and i'm like oh do we got something here that opening there was no radness in that opening <laughs> no it was that was a sarcastic text Oh, see, you gotta fucking do something. You can't just fucking throw that shit out there, because I'm thinking we got a hidden gem, and then I started, it's like, they're just walking around with balloons. Okay, but I do gotta ask this, because I know you're you're gonna put a song at the end of this podcast. <laughs> are we are we still appreciating that kind of music, ironically, or are we just gonna admit that we just like that shit? Uh, cheesy, stupid uh, opening credits music in 80s like, movies? Like 80s, like David Pomeranz style. Like, I, I don't know if you call it yacht rock necessarily or, or what it exactly is, but it's like, it's just a smooth piano and it's just very, it's like, uh, like fucking air supply kind of shit. But I, I don't know, man. Like the, 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 the fucking theme to Short Circuit 2, that da-da-da, da-da-da, da Like, I would have made fun of that for years, but I think I just like that shit. I enjoy it. I mean, I, I a lot of the shit that's on my uh, fucking iTunes library is crappy songs we've heard in movies for this podcast, like A Fine Mess by The Temptations. I swear to God, I've listened to that like every other day since I've watched A Fine Mess. I'm just fucking, I'll, I'll listen to The Temptations theme song to A Fine Mess. When I'm at work and it's kind of a bad day, you know, it's really busy or whatever, and I just you know, maybe have a bad call, I'll, sometimes I'll just queue up the theme to Short Circuit too. And just, like, listen to the first, like, 30 seconds of it. Just like, ah, that that makes me feel better. Uh, Nobody's Fool by Kenny Loggins from Caddyshack 2. That has become one of my favorite songs of all time. One of the greatest songs ever made. I I can't not fucking listen to that song. And sometimes, yeah, if I'm having a rough rough go of things, I'm like, you know what? I need three and a half minutes of the theme to Caddyshack 2. The only thing that Caddyshack 2 does better than Caddyshack. (laughs) Um... Uh, man, what, there was, oh, uh, I, I had a thought and then I fucking forgot it because it's billions for Boris and I, this movie's very, very forgettable. Um, 
I do want to talk about that lady with the popsicle that you mentioned briefly because it was my favorite part of the movie. Because she doesn't move. She, they stop and they're like, okay, you're going you're gonna to get the fuck out of here? And she's like, I don't know, this popsicle's delicious. Like, have you ever seen The French Connection? Yeah. French Connection, one of the greatest car chases ever made, you know? You got the Gene Hackman in a car and he's fucking racing fucking subway trains overhead and then he... He drives past this little tight little alley, and there's a lady with her fucking baby carriage, and it's slow motion. Gene Hackman's like, no, I'm going to murder the baby. i got to steer my car out of the way right in the last fucking second, and the baby carriage goes off. Uh, imagine that, but, like, fucking retarded. <laughs> so what happens is Boris has been kidnapped. Tim Kazarinsky uh, has gotten a tip from the older, uh, the older uh, sister, and so he's in a cop car. As soon as Boris gets kidnapped, Tim Kazarinsky's there with the cop. They put the sirens on, and they're chasing him. And there's this car chase, car chase, car chase. The bad guys get through an intersection. But then there's just this lady just sucking on a popsicle in the middle of the street. Tim Kazarinsky's like, get out of the way. And she's just like, this is a good popsicle. And then they careen their car out of the control. And yeah, they do it in the way where they, they slide. So, like, she's now facing the side of the car and still just like oh that shit's weird car almost hit me i want the entire movie to be about this lady and like what's her fucking life like (laughs) what's she do when she goes home she has her fucking popsicle stick she just pulls it out of her mouth tells her husband craziest thing happened on my on my walk home from the popsicle store (laughs) i went out i bought a popsicle like i do every day you know this you're my husband but as i go show i'm crossing the street you know, fucking uh, uh, Main Street and uh, uh, Swanson's Boulevard there, that intersection. I get in the middle of the intersection. A car almost hits me. So I just fucking keep eating my popsicle, stare it down. Uh, yeah, no, and I then just, I came home and told you the story. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's it's the little things like that. And I just wanted a hundred more of those. That's the thing. When you, when you get a movie this bad, you want stuff like that to liven it up. And there just weren't enough of them. Yeah, it's almost too competently made to be a shitty movie. <laughs> like, it's not a good movie, but it's not exactly a shitty movie. It's hovering in that line between, like, uh, completely forgettable and um, I will forget this in five seconds. And then it... I Explain the... You, you mentioned the last scene. I don't know if there was anything interesting, because, like, I couldn't tell what happened. They gave the TV away by accident to somebody, but who were they at the end? The, there's, like, just, like, a black family that we've never met before that are, like, getting the lottery numbers. Yeah, no, I was completely confused. I don't know if I was... I, I don't think I was checked out for the end. Um, I may have just been mentally checked out and not paying attention, but when the credits rolled, I was like... What the fuck? How did anything get resolved? What happened here? My thought was that was the family of the the elevator guy. Because there's a black guy in the mm. elevator that's like the elevator, uh, whatever, the bellboy or whatever. Uh, I thought they said they gave it to him. But then why not just have it be him and not two random black people we've never met? Yeah, I have no idea why they gave the TV away. I guess they just give the TV away because they're like, no more of this shit. No, the mom gave it away because the mom didn't want Seth Green to have a television. Oh, so she said, right. oh, you gave him that TV. And she doesn't know it's a time travel TV. But she said, you gave him that TV. I gave it to whoever. But I don't remember who that was. Okay. All right. I did. I probably did zone out at that because, yeah, I, I forgot about that. But now that you mentioned I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how this movie ends. Oh, do you have anything more to talk about this? Because I got to go pee. <laughs> 
Uh, I do not one bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I'm going to go empty my bladder, and then I'm going to come back, and we're going to decide what other shitty movie we're going to watch next week. All right. Will it be better than Billions for Boris? Almost certainly. Hope hope to God it is. If it isn't, then I'm killing myself. (laughs) All right, I'll be right back. Boris, I had no idea. I mean, look at this jungle I live in. It really is humiliating. Is that why you never invited me over here before? Yeah. I mean, we're we're drowning in debt. My school bill hasn't been paid. We owe the IRS thousands in back taxes. I have to take care of the checking account. I have to organize everything. She's probably going to end up in jail. It's awful. My life's a total mess. Okay, and we are back from a pee break. This is going to be a short episode, unless we can't decide on what to watch next week. Yeah, I mean, let's... Fuck it, we got time? We can... Because that's, that's the other thing. I think by the time we got to the wheel last week, we'd spent so much time talking about wise guys and fucking Captain Lou Albano's fucking naked feet that, you know, we, we felt a little rushed. And yeah, I don't want to feel... I, let's take our time. We got fucking 20 minutes of just deciding what to do next. Let's let's spin the wheel. I mean, let's see what we get. I mean, this is interesting to people, right? I think so. It, I, it, honestly, it's my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> Because it's certainly uh, not watching the movie or talking about the movie, which is what's supposed to be the majority of the podcast. Death Wish, featuring Christopher Guest. Oh, that's right. I mean, I'm not averse to it. I'm not either. All right, let's make, let's keep Death Wish a possibility. Uh, but let's see what else we got. Because there's no law that says we can't watch a movie but we might enjoy fucking watching. I'm well. Are we gonna enjoy Death Wish? It's very rapey. I know. I I would almost like to watch Death Wish with uh, fresher eyes. I haven't seen it since you know probably I was a not a kid, but probably when I was a teenager. I'd be kind of um, curious to watch the the remake, which I saw it when it was in theaters. But now, in light of knowing about Bruce Willis's mental condition, I wonder, like, will I view that differently now? Okay, uh, I spun, I spun a movie I'm not really familiar with, uh, The Comedian, starring Robert De Niro. Ooh, that was a, like a fairly recent movie, right? Like 2019 uh, or something. 20, 2016. Uh, Robert De Niro plays a comic icon attempting to reinvent himself despite his audience only wanting to know him as a television character he played earlier in his career. He attends a comedy club for Nostalgia Night, uh, hosted by Jimmy J.J. Walker, after accosting... Who's the SNL actor in this? Uh, Billy Crystal appears as himself. Oh, jeez. If we're going to do that, (laughs) we might as well just watch Mr. Saturday Night. Uh, That's on the wheel, too. Uh, After accosting an audience member... Uh, De Niro is sentenced to 30 days in jail. During his 100 hours of community service, he meets Harmony Schlitz, played by Leslie Mann, who works at a soup kitchen as part of her community service. So it's like a Robert De Niro is a stand-up comedian. I remember it getting very negative reviews. I mean... Which is why I put it on the wheel. I don't know. I just... I 
That doesn't seem interesting to me at all. I know. Seeing Robert De Niro try to play a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I mean, I do me have I do have a, a weird fascination with. Well, we talked about it with the um, punchline. The ways non-comedian writers try to capture stand-up comedy in film, and how just they don't. Because like most of the thing, like like you see a movie like about NASA, it's like I feel like they probably read a book about NASA and like interviewed some people to make it seem like it like it's real. But like I don't think anybody who writes a movie about stand-up comedy ever talks to an actual stand-up comic. They're just like, I'm sure I know what this fucking world is like. Yeah, movies about stand-up comedy, uh, they ain't good. Uh, all right, so I spun the wheel again. Chevy Chase stars in Sesame Street's Follow That Bird. I mean, I remember crying as a kid with that movie. I don't remember anything about it, but I remember there's something that was sad enough to make me cry. That's the one where uh, Big Bird, like, I, I, he gets painted blue, and then he sings a song about being a, a sad blue bird, and he gets, like, uh, thrown in a zoo or something, or a circus. But he's trying to find his birth family. I say yeah. he. I don't know how Big Bird identifies. <laughs> well, because Big Bird is played What's by... What's under them feathers, Big Bird? Well, no, because I believe Big Bird is played by a male actor physically, but the voice yeah. is female, right? Oh, really? I thought Carol Spiney did uh, did both. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe he did. I don't know. I thought it was two uh, different people. Maybe I, I could don't be know wrong. Why I'm looking it up, but uh, no, I thought it was. Uh... And more importantly, I don't know what the general state is, but I just I feel like there is some question. <laughs> Big right. Bird has always been played by a man from 1969 to present. And voiced well, by a man. The well, same puppeteer. That... Never mind then. Apparently Big Bird's got a big dick. <laughs> big Bird's got a big old hog. Alright. Uh, what do we got? We got uh, the comedian, follow that bird. And, and Death Wish. Shit, and Death Wish. Alright. Well, <laughs> let's fuck the comedian. It's between Death Wish, the movie <laughs> where a rape lead, leads to a, a murder spree, or Sesame Street's Follow That Bird. <laughs> What do we want to do? <laughs> and and your next brave little toaster goes to Mars next week, and now Fuck. you're like, follow that bird, maybe? I mean, well, okay, are you concerned that, like, another kid's movie might not work out? Because I feel uh, like Sesame Street has a bigger track, better track. Of course, I don't know, is Elmo and Grouchland on the list? Is anybody from SNL in that shit? I don't think so. Um... I don't know. Let's get what at least one more option, but uh, I would be cool. I'd, I'd be cool with Death Wish. I would be too. I haven't seen it in years. I marathoned all of them a couple years ago, but I'd be up for watching that again. All right. Now, does one. that does that then retroactively put all four Death Wish sequels into the list, even though no, no no SNL people are in them, as far as I know? I feel like yeah. If we watch Death Wish, then proactively we could put the sequels on the wheel. Because as far as I know, there's nobody from SNL in, in any of them. Uh, Ed TV. Who's in that? Um, as far as SNL, I don't remember. Somebody's got, well, it's on the wheel. Somebody's got to be on it in Ed TV. Um, I would be cool with that, too. Yes, but, I mean, I don't know. Compared to Death Wish and Follow That Bird, I feel like Ed TV probably, I mean, that would probably just be like a fine movie. Like, not necessarily even a great movie, but good enough, you know, that I won't want to kill myself. Yeah, but, I, I remember liking Ed TV. It's, um, it got unfairly uh, compared to The Truman Show because it came out the year after, but it's like two completely different movies. It's just both 
people on TV. I believe it's based on like a French movie or something, some uh, like a foreign film. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd watch that, sure. I mean, uh, would you rather watch Ed TV or Death Wish? Between the two, I, I'm still going Death Wish. Uh, yeah, I can't even find an SNL cast member in Ed TV. Why is this I, that's, I'm trying to think because oh. I've seen that a couple of times. Harry Shearer is in it. Oh, he plays okay. the moderator, so he's probably like a guy who hosts a panel show about Ed TV. <laughs> I, I mean, I but guess in I've... Death Wish, Christopher Guest plays a cop with one line at the end of the movie. Because <laughs> that's the thing I was going to say, like, should we apply a standard where they have to be in a certain amount of the movie? But then we couldn't watch Death Wish because I, I, I know for a fact that Christopher Guest is barely in it. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, still nothing better than Death Wish. Uh, I'm gonna do one more spin just to just to see if we get anything better than Death Wish. But I, I think it's fucking 1974's it's, Death Wish. It's got to be something amazing at this point. And I don't think there's anything else amazing on that fucking wheel. Because uh, I just CB, watched Billions for Boris. CB4 starring Chris Rock and Chris Elliott and Phil Hartman, probably some other SNL cast members. You know, I was just about to fucking say it, but honestly, that. That would be interesting as well, and that would be more true to the spirit of the show, considering how many SNL character, uh, actors are in it. So I uh, I would watch either one of those. I will leave it up to you. Death Wish or CB4. Yeah, I'm good with both of them. Um, but yeah, nah, when I saw CB4 pop up on the wheel, I was like, nah, ain't better than Death Wish. I say Death I'm- Wish. Then I think we're going to Death Wish. And this is neither of our faults, or both of our faults. But this can't be bad, right? Um, I mean, I remember fucking thinking it was awesome when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, I wonder in 2022 if that... Because uh, the, the remake of Death Wish, uh, I, I, I saw that and I, I didn't think it worked just because I, I couldn't follow a guy around who just, you know takes the law into his own hand and yeah shoots people at random and shoots mostly black people and is wearing a hoodie and yeah but i wonder if the original because like we watched uh robocop for my other podcast uh, a little bit ago and honestly that didn't hold up like a lot of the cop stuff just felt really fucking squishy and weird to me so i wonder if crazy implied to be right-wing vigilante might just not work in 2022 for me yeah, no, it would be weird because yeah, I remember love fucking loving Death Wish, but yeah, now in a in a post Trump era, who knows if Death Wish still holds up? So yeah, I think that'd be interesting to revisit. But I'm yeah, I think Death Wish. I think it's an interesting conversation to have because yeah, re rewatching these things where we never we didn't question it back in the day, like you know that this shouldn't be a thing we should be cheering on. You know, yeah. I think that's interesting. All right, so next week, <laughs> the great Christopher Guest. Who was on 15 episodes of Saturday Night Live, I believe? I I feel like the last thing we watched because Christopher Guest was in it was fucking Heartbeeps, too. Just so like, so I on some that, level. Yeah, because we, we, you know, we, we wouldn't watch like the, you know, the Guffman Best in Show movies. Uh, so yeah, I think Heartbeeps might be the only other Christopher Guest movie we've watched. So oh, if only to... Re- <laughs> If only to redeem Christopher Guest as a viable option for this podcast, <laughs> I feel like we should watch Death Wish. Yeah, and uh, if memory serves me correct, he is in the final scene of the movie, and he's just like, Hey, Charles Branson, what you doing? 
fine. Final scene of the movie. Oh, that's right, because he kind of gets away. Like the, I think the cop like lets him get away with it at the end. Yeah, I believe he only has one line in the film. Um, but also, it's got a young Jeff Goldblum who hosted SNL at one point. Uh, I believe twice. he's one of the. I believe he's one of the rapists, isn't he? Yes, he is yeah. one of the people who rapes. Is it uh, Charles Bronson's daughter? Uh, and does she she gets raped and murdered, or just raped and like comatose? No, because she dies in the second movie. So yeah, she. Okay. I think she's raped and comatose, and she wakes up, and then in the second movie, she gets attacked again and uh, like jumps out a window. Okay, yeah, I never followed uh, Charles Bronson into any of the Death Wish uh, sequels. Oh, all the sequels are just schlock because they were made by Golden and Globus uh, canon, and they're just like whatever nuance or subtext or whatever that we're going to see in this movie, completely gone from the fucking sequels. Those are actually fascinating to watch. In fact, if we like Death Wish enough, I would not be averse to just marathoning the other ones for the podcast, like the next four episodes just do two through five. You might be able to do that. They're fun fucking um, movies. I mean, they're they're bad movies, but they're fun bad movies. Well, yeah, I'll have to put myself in a in a 1974 headspace. I just looked up when Bernie Getz was. That was in the 80s. So yeah, I was one. So this was like pre when uh, a, a vigilante in New York who's taking the laws into his own hands was a bit of a fantasy, if you will. But all the sequels were in the 80s, so they were all very much in that 80s mold. Ah, gotcha. All right, so next week <laughs> we will be watching Death Wish. Uh, any last words on Billions for Boris? Uh, don't watch it. Uh, don't go to Internet Archive and look for Billions for Boris. Why um, would you? Even yeah, if you're a hardcore Tim Kazarinsky fan, I can't recommend it. I mean, just watch the fucking Police Academy movies he's in. They, I would guess, yeah, I would certainly definitely watch whichever one we watched. Four, I think. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely watch that or any other Police Academy movie before I watch fucking Billions for Boris again. All right. And comparing it to other poli- or other Tim Kazarinsky movies we've watched, uh, better or worse than Plump Fiction? Uh, I mean, this was probably an easier watch than Plump Fiction. That was just Absolutely. so fucking unbearable. I believe we also watched Hot to Trot because of Tim Kazarinsky. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Better or worse than Hot to Trot? Okay. Hot to Trot is fun watching it with movie. you because you love it so much. But just watching it on its own, again, this is an easier sit. Billion, you liked watching Billions for Boris better than you liked watching Hot to Trot. I, that's not what I said. I said it was an easier sit. I said I tolerated watching this more than Hot to Trot because Hot to Trot is a fucking mind-bending... It's like you look into the eyes of fucking Cthulhu and you're like, what the fuck? Why is this horse talking to me and predicting stock tips, I think? Isn't that what he's doing? Yes. So, wait, you're saying a movie about Bobcat Goldthwait and a talking horse is less interesting than the movie about Seth Green making a future TV? Okay, because Seth Green making a future TV is... It's, again, it's magical realism. It's a kid's fantasy movie, like Freaky Friday, like with the same universe. It's like, you never have to explain it. Fucking hot to trot. Beggar's explanation. It, it, it's like, you, no, why is this horse talking? And the explanation is horses can always talk, and they've been a fucking different species of super intelligent horse. Fuck that shit. This, I can get behind it. It's not good. <laughs> but as in terms of the, the, the world building, the lore of the movie, I'm fine with it. Fucking hot to trot. Fuck that shit. I'm, I'll, I'll forget this by the time it comes, but I think for like our 400th episode, we should rewatch Hot to Trot. No, never. Well, never and then for 400 and, for 401, what's a movie? Oh, we could rewatch Toys. There you go. 
Not a real movie co- I hate no. that you love. Look, if you if you wanted to say let's rewatch fucking uh, Dead Heat, I'd be on board. But fucking hot to trot, not happening. Fucking love me some hot to trot. All right, yeah. so and that's why that's why you'll never be president. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's gonna be my campaign slogan. Okay. Vote for George and his running mate, Don the Horse. But now he'd have to be voiced by somebody other than John Candy because he's dead. Yeah. Uh, who is the original? Uh, Joan Rivers, also dead. She was the original voice of Don. Uh, oh, all right. that's right. I forgot about that. Yep. Jesus Christ. And then they, they, they reshot it all with John Candy to make it funny. Okie dokie. Uh, let's end the podcast. Yes. <laughs> what the fuck, fuck are we doing? What the fuck? Why are we talking this much about Billy's Divorce? Bye, everybody. All right. Death Wish next week. Until then, get up. Get up. Get up. Raking it in by the billions Cash stacked up to the ceiling Living on champagne and chocolate Somewhere exotic Kissing on the beach alone Cause we bought it Talking gazillions Top of Fortune 500